I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your Zozo Championship DFS preview. And joining me to break it all down, as he does every single Monday, it's Greg Ducharme. What's up, Greg? Oh, man, I'm excited for this one. Back-to-back weeks, these great fields. These guys are all playing for something really important these two weeks, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one, Rick. A lot of money on the line, a lot of points on the line. Oh, by the way, there's that little golf tournament in Augusta, Georgia in a couple of weeks. So you're playing for form. There is a lot to like about this stretch of golf. Uh, Don't forget, you can give us a watch on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash first cut podcast. As always, you can drop any questions that you might have on YouTube or in Apple podcast reviews, drop a five star, drop a question. We'll be happy to answer it. Greg, there's, you know, the movement. This year, right? We, we moved uh, the CJ Cup over to Las Vegas. We moved this event, the Zozo Championship from Japan, all the way to Thousand Oaks, California, Sherwood Country Club. Um, so there's a lot of moving pieces here. We, we were familiar with this course. We just haven't seen it at all recently, right? Right, been since uh, 20, 2014. So it's been that's been a long time. That's six years since we've really seen the the best players in the world battle it out out here. So it's a, it's a really cool golf course. I I really enjoy watching out there. Um, I mean, I remember the, the Graham McDowell and Tiger Woods battling it out on the 18th hole. Some some when when Graham McDowell made that putt to beat Tiger and shock the world. It, <laughs> it's been there's been some pretty big stages for an event that. Um, has been a limited field event tiger's little you know basically it's the hero world challenge uh taking on different names so it there were some really cool battles um out here and i'm i'm excited to see a fuller field although not a full field 78 players again i'm looking forward to seeing that field again um, on this golf course yeah, what, what is now known as the Hero World Challenge, that very small 18-man field is is where we've seen Sherwood play host to. Uh, a couple of interesting things. It's a par 72, but it has five. Count them, five par fives. We were just kind of spitballing off our off the top of our heads before we went live. We, we, we think Mon- Monterey Peninsula might be the only one regularly on the PGA Tour that has five par fives, I think. Yeah, um, Kapalua came to mind because it's par 73 but it, i believe that's only three par threes 
Um, so I, I, I don't think that has five par fives. So it is very interesting, very rare, um, and, and quite exciting. Tiger Woods is back. He is technically defending here. So we're now going to get two consecutive Tiger Woods starts this week at the Zozo and presumably the next time we see him, which is Augusta National for the Masters, as a defending champion. Phil Mickelson back in the field. Webb Simpson, Adam Scott, Patrick Reed, all guys who were not in the field last week, Greg. So it's a very similar field, but we do have some big names coming back into the fray. Yeah, um, Tiger, of course, headlining that. And, and he's going back to a place where he's had great success, um, at, at, you know, at, at the for, um, what's now called the Hero World Challenge in the past at Sherwood. So he's had great success there. It's been a place he's played really, really good golf at, and it's close to where he grew up. So it makes a lot of sense. I think he likes the place. Um, but I'm not sure his game is in the form that it was back in the years <laughs> where we were coming here regularly. So I, I definitely have my questions about Tiger. Well, we'll talk about Tiger. I did do a little bit of research. Kapalua is a par 73, but you were right, Greg. It's the three par threes, so it does not have the five par fives. That was a very good guess. So we're still on Monterey Peninsula. If there's another one, I'm sure someone will tweet us that we're wrong. They'll be happy to do yep. so. Yep, they love um, doing that. Final thing, as if that wasn't enough to, you know, six years off in terms of course history, if that wasn't enough, uh, they did make a switch from Bermuda greens to bent grass greens in 2015. So I don't know. Do we throw out all types of course history? I mean, it's just, it's so long ago and now such a, a at least the putting surfaces are different. I, I don't know how much we even consider that anyway, Greg. Yeah. I, um, you know, it's, it's very interesting when you get the Poe in there, I, I think it's something that, benefits a type of player but it's more of a general area you're looking for the, the california kids are more likely to have success here now that they're more like california greens um bermuda green i'm, I'm surprised to hear that uh that that they were bermuda greens before that's very yeah. interesting to me um so i think that's more of a surprise than the fact that now they're um they're bent with poe so the bent with poe is great but i still think it's a it's a tricky golf course it's a tight golf course you got to put your ball in play uh off the tee and into green there's a, a number of smaller greens out there um as i remember so I, I still think the course history here is going to have an effect i don't think it's purely based on the greens it's kind of the the shot making the shot values out there um are still very very similar yeah, Jacob sent over a great article. I mean, they completely redid the irrigation all over the place. Ch ch I mean, changed it all. I was a quite the quite the task that they finished in in 2015. Um, okay, we're gonna jump into the top uh, the 10k range, the top of the pricing tier. But Greg, did you know that the Stitcher app is one of the best platforms to consume sports podcasts? I mean, I I, I knew that. I guess. Well, I know, I know now. Well, now you do. They even have a new collection on their homepage of the app for the return of sports, where our friends from the CBS Sports Podcast Network, Fantasy Football Today, and the Pick 6 Bot are both featured. Stitcher also makes it incredibly easy to build out playlists, that's what I do, of your favorite podcast. Download Stitcher for free in the App Store today. Greg, uh, 10K. One, two, three, four, five, six golfers over $10,000 on the DraftKings player pool, led by none other than maybe 
the hottest player on the face of the earth. Xander Shoffley, 11,200. John Rahm, 11,000. Dustin Johnson, 10-8. He's not playing this week. He's going to be out, but he is still in this player pool. Justin Thomas, 10,600. Rory McIlroy, 10,004. And Terrell Hatton at an even $10,000. Who stands out to you? Well, um, Xander stands out to me um, because he's the one, the highest price player to the, the performance he put on last week, which was spectacular. Um, but there's something that concerns me about Xander. And I know, I know Rick, you're a fan of him this week and I'm a fan of him most weeks, but I'm going to take a little caution with him this week. I'm going to wave the yellow flag. Um, I may actually go as far to say as he's a, he's a fade for me mm. and I'll tell you why. So Xander has had a couple of tournaments this past year where they've been really close calls. And I would say, Nearly heartbreaking losses. One of them was the farmer's insurance where he came in. uh, I'm sorry, not the farmer's insurance century tournament of champions came in tied second. It was a disappointing loss. I think Xander probably feels like he gave that one away the next week. uh, Farmer's insurance. I guess it's two weeks later, his next tournament, he misses the cut. Then you have some great consistent play uh, all, all top 25 finishes then we have the restart um, and and we get to the RBC Heritage and Xander misses a short putt late and it was really disappointing and he probably feels like he gave that tournament away as well. Um, no no discredit to Daniel Berger or Colin Morikawa, but I think if you're Xander sitting there, you're saying I, I should have won that tournament. I'd let that get away. Well, the very next week, RBC Heritage tied 64th. Those are his two worst finishes of the year. And including last year, there's, I mean, you got to go way back to find a tournament where he's outside the top 25. It just doesn't happen very often. Yeah. But it's interesting to me that the two occasions it happened um, in this calendar year happened after narrow defeats. And so I wonder this week heading back, is he was last week kind of a peak and he didn't get it done. Is there going to be a little bit of an exhale? I don't think it's a long-term concern but it may be a one week concern. And when he's the highest price player in the field, that concern is a little bit too high for me to play him. That, that's fair. I mean, usually with your guy, uh, especially when you start getting over the, I mean, $11,000 mark, uh, you don't want to have many questions about, about that golfer. Okay. So let's, let's continue down that train of thought. Does that push you down to maybe a Justin Thomas? I mean, the the case for Justin Thomas is the same case. It is almost every single week. He is a a, a T to green phenom. In fact, uh, him and Bubba Watson, who, we'll talk about in a second, uh, were the only two golfers to finish the CJ Cup last week inside the top 20 and lose strokes putting. I mean, it's these guys who are just hitting it so well, cannot get anything to drop, still end up with pretty decent finishes. Are we just waiting for the week that JT gains two strokes putting and and wins? Like, that's that's what we're waiting for? I I really think so. And I'll tell you what, Rick, I'm going to have a little more insight on his putting um, come tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, on a new breed of golf, we're going to have John Graham on his putting coach. Oh, um, so I'm going to get a little, I'm going to get to hear a little bit of, of John Graham. Who's great. I mean, even if, if you were to talk to John Graham about putting and didn't mention JT, it would be a great experience, but you add <laughs> JT into the fray and I think it becomes quite interesting. So I am excited to hear about what they're working on. Um, but with JT, yeah, I, I think he's a solid play. I think he's a solid play just about every week. Um, and especially in a non-cut event, because even if he plays around, that's a little lackluster. Like he, last week he got off to 
a, a fairly slow start. And it, it still ends up being a pretty solid week for him because eventually over four rounds, he's going to put together some really nice rounds. And I, I think with the green complexes, the way they are this week, I, I think his iron play is going to be a real advantage. I, I'd kind it's of something to- I'm highlighting again. Uh, I'm interested to hear more about that conversation tomorrow and, and later in the week as well. I, I'm kind of lumping JT in with Rory at the moment. So it's very clear they both have super high floors, right? Like JT loses strokes putting every single week, finishes like 12th or better every single week. It's unbelievable. Rory, who this has been well documented now, Greg, and I'm wondering what our level of concern is since the restart. His iron game, his approach game has been pedestrian, and especially by his own standards. I mean, he's basically tour average over his last 12 starts, which is kind of a shockingly long stretch. He lost nearly four strokes on approach again at the CJ Cup last week. But there, there is a bright side to that. He still finished T21, which is like, yeah, that, that's the floor, right? Like, he was so bad with the irons. His worst, that was his worst approach start since... I'm still scrolling the Honda classic in 2018. So, and that's his floor. Like, I don't know if I should be happy about that or I should be really concerned that something is off with Rory's game, man. I, I, I gotta, there was a time, I think we were heading into playoffs where Rory put together a couple of better iron play rounds. I want to say, what was it Rick, around the BMW, right? He, uh, before BMW, Northern like Northern trust. trust. Yeah. Northern trust was his best approach week in the restart, he gained five strokes. The week before at the PGA Championship, or his start before, I should say, he gained 2.3. Those were basically his two best iron uh, weeks since the restart. And what did he do last week again? Lost lost four strokes on approach. He was... Yeah, yeah, it was four. It was a shot at... See, I, I don't look at Rory as there's a, there's a real issue with the swing. I, I think with Rory, it all is based on the putting. Mm. Um, and, and I think there are times when if you're putting a lot of work in, in your putting, it's hard to make time, especially in Rory's case as a new father, right? There's a lot going on in his world. Um, I, I think it's hard to balance the practice schedule and you put a little more attention into one area of weakness and other things can slip. Uh, and, and with Rory, the beauty of it is it's not something where you need an overhaul. Rory's not the kind of guy that needs um, massive amounts of attention to go play well. I, I think Rory can go practice the irons for uh, a, a day, not even a day. He just go work on his swing and have somebody watch him hit balls for a couple of hours, and he can click and he can go win this week. He's, he's not the kind of guy where there's ma- major concern with his tee to green game. If there's major concern, it's usually with the putter, and he can kind of – still perform really well. So I look at Rory and I I find a ton of value in that floor, Mm -hmm. especially in a four round event, just like JT. These are the two guys I really like in this. John Rahm was a little, just a little slow for the price last week. And it was kind of a little disappointing, a little inconsistent. So I'm not ready to jump on John Rahm yet, but Rory and JT, while it's not a home run, it's not a lock. I'm, I'm betting these guys have some pretty solid weeks this week. And I think they're both great plays. I think so too. I, I think JT will be relatively popular. I think you. I think as the week goes on, Rory Rory might go overlooked a bit here. I'm I'm excited to see what that. Yeah, comes I, I'm kind of leaning towards him, Rick, because I, I think that last week really should have been a top ten, 
and you're looking at, at that T21 finish, Sunday was weak. And and I, I don't think that is a signal of a problem. I think things just didn't quite go his way. So that could have been a bad performance um, that resulted in a top 10 if a couple things go differently. It happens really quick. So I look at Rory as a guy that's ready to peak, and I think he's focused right now. I think this is a really important time of year for him. So I, I'm pretty high on Rory this week. Although this, this 10K range isn't – there, there are question marks all over the place here. So I really like the value of Rory. Let's jump down to the $9,000 range. I think this is an interesting situation we have going on with a lot of these names. Colin Morikawa, 9,800. Webb Simpson is here. Patrick Reed, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay, Hideki Matsuyama, Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf. if you'd like to forgive and forget him for his performance last week. And then the bottom of the 9K range is Tiger Woods at a flat $9,000. So we'll talk about Tiger, Greg, but above him, Webb is back. Uh, Tony Finau presumably back. I've, I, we've already gotten word that DJ's out. Now Tony's a, a week ahead of him uh, returning from a positive COVID test. So maybe we see Tony Finau back in action, but who really moves the needle for you here in this, in this tier? A uh, couple, well, really the, the top three players right mm-hmm. here, um, the Morikawa Simpson and Reed, you know, I may pivot off of Reed with a Cantlay who's down uh, at the 9,400 range. I, I think that accuracy is going to be a little more important this week. I think the golf course is a little tighter than it was last week. Um, and, and then it normally is on tour. I don't know what the numbers say, but I just, I read an article that Dustin Johnson was writing about how he learned, how he decided to commit to a fade. And it basically happened here. He wasn't hitting it well. He said, you really have to drive the ball accurately at Sherwood. And so he went, he, he wasn't playing well. He basically went to a cut and said, okay, I'm going to play a cut on every shot today. And I shot 61 the next day. Okay. I'm going to play a shot. I'm going to play a cut every shot again today. And he shot 62. So then he committed to it for the, basically for the rest of his life. Um, but, but what I took out of that is Sherwood is a course where driving is really important. And I look to a Colin Morikawa, I look to a Webb Simpson as guys that know how to get the ball in play. And Colin Morikawa, first and foremost, especially with the question marks in the 10 K range, he finished high 12th last week. And I, I think he's headed in the right direction. I think he's starting to feel a little bit better about his game. And I, I'm expecting uh, this climb to lead to a really good performance this week. Interesting. Uh, I, I'm I'm all good with Morikawa, Simpson. You, you, you glossed on Patrick Reed there for a second. I'll take the opportunity to mine into that. Yeah. So... What's interesting is a couple of things. So first of all, he's 25 to one to win the golf tournament. He's $9,600 on DraftKings, And he's the opposite of the Tiger Woods effect, which is Tiger's always kind of overpriced because the public loves him. I think Patrick Reed is kind of always underpriced a bit because he might not be the most popular golfer on, on, on the tour, but uh, what he's been doing recently. So I think he was T seven at the tour championship. That was without the strokes uh, finished 13th at the U S open. Then he played Greg that BMW PGA championship on the european tour and he did not come right back or at least he didn't come back and play immediately at the cj cup last week so now he's got that extra week off and i think a lot of people just kind of 
forget, right? I mean, he didn't play last week. The last time he played at all was on the European tour, which most people aren't following that closely along with, but he finished third there. That's a premier event for them. There's a lot of touring pros there. And we've talked about how Patrick Reed is kind of like this low key, big game hunter, right? Eight PGA tour victories. Two of them are WGCs. Two of them are playoff events. One is a tournament of champions and one is the masters. Like, come on. Like that's like, he shows up in any field, any event. I I like the number. I like being a bit different on Patrick Reed, seeing what he did on the European tour and, and seeing if he can carry it over. I, I think that's a really good spot. Yeah, I do too. And I, I think it, um, I think the course will fit him well. It, it's not necessarily guys that are bomb it that always win here. And Graham McDowell comes to mind on that. Um, who, who beat tiger here. You need to, you need to put the ball in play. Um, and, and the greens can get a little bit tricky as well. So you have to be good around the greens with Patrick Reed certainly is. So I, I do like him this week. I'm not sure I like him as much as Morikawa who I've yeah. been on. This is now the third week in a row. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of thinking that this trend is going to continue because it's just gotten better and better and better. I'm not ready to bail yet. So I would say Morikawa is my number one play. Um, and Simpson is always a, you can put him in his plug and play. Right, we yeah. don't even need to talk about it. Any week, he's great play, and I think Reed's a really solid play too. What do you What do you make of Patrick Cantlay? Because he's a California kid. He um, seems to be. I don't really know where he is with his game, but the location of the event and the style of tournament this is, it seems like it would be a good fit. I think he's very difficult to try to figure out at the moment. I think that if you look back at the last, let's call it four months ish, maybe like his last 10 starts. Um, He's, he's really only had like three good rounds that he put together. He put the first three rounds at the Shriners before, you know, he was a 54 hole leader and, and kind of gave it away a bit and played pretty poorly on Sunday. Like that's starting to look more like the outlier. You know what I mean? We just haven't seen that really consistent what like Patrick can't like when he, when things are going right, he's similar to like, uh, a Justin Thomas floor, right? Like he's just peppering top, you know, peppering T12, peppering that, peppering that. And then boom, he pops off and wins. And then he's just like constantly there. That's not where he's at right now. He, his, his finishes are kind of all over the place. Uh, and he played well at a place that was like the premier course history place for any golfer at any course. Like, of course he played well there. I'm I'm not that I'm not that optimistic in his game right now. Yeah, I under, I understand that for sure. Um, the the recent play is important, and and this course is going to test you one way or the other. So uh, I'll be very I have my eye on him, but I, I can go with you on as a fade here for for Cantlay. We are uh, essentially contractually obligated to talk about Tiger Woods. We kind of discussed him uh, last night on the on the recap pod for CJ Cup as we kind of looked ahead to to this week at the Zozo. He is defending. It's obviously a place that he's had a lot of great success. Five wins, five runner-up finishes in, in fields of 18 over the years at this event. I, I, Greg, make the case that he is quite far removed from that 2014 version of himself. We've seen him try to practice with longer putters and play with longer putters. Putters and, and try to figure out the putting stroke in which he's lost strokes putting in five of his last six. And I'll tell you what, we, we talk about it all the time. The inability to hit fairways takes away the best part of his game. I, I need to see signs of life for Tiger before I start investing my 9,000 fake salary cap dollars into him. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I agree with you. I, I think if you play Tiger this week, it's a, it's a guess based on fandom because you're such a fan 
right? And you, you can look in course history too, but it's, you're basically saying, okay, uh, Tiger's going to be feeling great. You're guessing on so many things. He's going to be feeling great. He's going to have something figured out with the putter. We're going to see the 2019 um, Masters and, and, and Zozo and President's Cup. We're going to see that kind of control with the golf ball because that's what it's going to take for him to compete. He's not the longest player anymore. His B game doesn't get it done the way it used to. He needs his A game T to green. And there, there are just too many looming questions with him to me uh, to put him in my lineup. Unless I see some, you know, consistency, we got to see some, we got to, I mean, he, he's putting together not even great nine hole scores. There's, yeah. there's very little to go on here other than the fact that he's Tiger Woods, um, other than the fact that he's won 82 times, including at this <laughs> venue. There, but there, there are a lot of questions right now. So I'm, I'm a fade all day on Woods, and this is the ultimate life edge. If he wins and I faded him, I'm happy as, as, uh, as could be. I also think he's probably, uh, uh, you know, in football there's look-ahead games. Uh, it feels like a look ahead game for Tiger getting ready for, for the Masters in a couple of yeah. weeks. Yeah, he may be trying some shots that he'll need at Augusta, that which Tiger has done. He's said, he's talked about it before. He's done it all throughout his career where he may try shots in certain events to get him ready for another event. Um, I don't know if he'll be doing that now. I don't know if he can afford a, a real look ahead. I, I think <laughs> he's got to go out there and really perform and get used to the spirit of competition. I think that's going to be his best preparation for Augusta. Um, but yeah, I, I'm unfortunately a fade this week for him. We are going to get into some value plays for this week at the Zozo Championship. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we're back. $8,000 range. Daniel Berger, 8,900. Harris English, 88. Goes all the way down to Russell Henley, who was phenomenal for us last week. And Sung J.M. rounds it out at a flat $8,000. Greg, this is, a, this is a grab bag. You've got Euros. You've got Young Guys. You've got last week's winner. You've got consistency. you got anything you want in this range. So what would you like, sir? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I, yeah. The guy that really sticks out to me jumps off the page to me, and he's very similar to a Webb Simpson. He's turned into a plug and play. 
Um, the difference between he and Webb is he may not win as often, and he's also priced accordingly for that. But it's it's Harris English. Yep. Harris English has consistently just played great tournaments. He's played great for a year, a, a full year now. And so I, I look to Harris as a guy last week, he started off. I was very high on him last week as I am pretty much every week. And it, it didn't go great. He shot 75, but he ends up in the top 10, right? He just consistently hammers away at it. And especially when you go to a course like this, where great ball striking is going to be rewarded and, um, and, and the scores aren't going to get to that kind of 30 under number. Um, we're, we're not going to get way, way, way low. No, I don't no, imagine. No, I think it's a, it's a tricky course and there's a lot of danger out there. So I, I look at that as if, if Harris English can get into the mid teens, he's going to be right around the lead. And I think that's a good place for him. Even though when he did come in second, it was one of those 30 under kind of a week. <laughs> I still think this is a better um, scoring fit for him. And I'm, I mean, I'm very confident that he's going to have a, another solid week. So I completely agree with you. I would like to uh, say something I've probably never said to you before, Greg. And I think I know where you're going here. I kind of like Bubba Watson. He's $8,700. Here's the case for Bubba, who I'm not a big Bubba guy. If I am going to play him, there's three places to play him. It's, It's River Highlands, it's Augusta, and it is Riviera, right? Like those are, those are the three places. Um, what he's doing right now. So last week he gained 11 strokes from T to green. That was the best in the field. The week before, I'm sorry, I should say his start before that he gained 10.99. So basically back to back, that was at the U S open. So basically back to back weeks or back to back starts of gaining 11 strokes from T to green. I think in, there are times Greg, like, if I'm going to be this T green guy, if I'm going to be hashtag team, no putt, I've got to eat my own dog food. And I, I think, I think it's Bubba this week. Um, if that's what the numbers say, I love it, but he's been playing well, right? That's the thing. It's, it's recent form is important and, and he's played well in California before. And I do think this is a course where it's going to ask you for some movement, right? So it, I think it, it should suit his eye. My fear is this is either going to fit him very, very well or very, very badly because it's not necessarily a forgiving course. Like we've also seen him have success at Kapalua, a place where it's really wide. And, and it it also asks for shape. We've seen him have success at the match play uh, in Austin where there's some, some success. So I I really, I like the pick, but it's the risky pick because you got Harris English right above who is as safe as, I mean, it's, it's, you're jumping in the water with a life jacket on, right? There, there's no, there's hardly any risk. Daniel Berger, who's at 8,900 is just about as safe as it gets. Those guys aren't going to let you down to where they have, they come in last. You pick Bubba Watson, you could see him win and you could see him in 78th and it could happen very quickly. But (laughs) I I think this, if you're going to pick Bubba at a non-Bubba course, this is the time to do it. I, I really like it. I think it's worth the risk. He's also one of the few golfers who has played that world challenge event multiple times. He's played it four times. So remember, this is a field of 18. So he went 14th. Then more recently, he went sixth, ninth. And the last time he played it, a T3 when it was called the Northwestern Mutual World Challenge. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm not like twice a year. You'll get to hear me say, I think it might be a bubble week. And I I think it might be a bubble week. Um, Greg, you asked last night. Uh, 
are we going back to Russell Henley? I love that you were already looking ahead to like, are we going back yeah. to Russ? And we were barely recapped the, uh, the CJ cup. We're looking ahead to the Zozo. I think I'm ready to have that discussion. Um, yeah. He's a thousand dollars more expensive now. So I think he went from 7,100 to 8,100. Um, yeah. What do you think about, I mean, nothing's really changed, right? He had a great performance and he, and he went up a thousand bucks. So there's one other guy in this range I want to talk about after okay. Henley. Just don't let me forget. Cause I, I think, I think it's really important, but anyway, Russell Henley to me, there are um, peaks and valleys in performance. When you judge a player on their recent performance, they kind of climb the roller coaster and it gets to a place where this is the best performance that they have. Mm-hmm. And now I think Russell Henley is a great player, but a week like last week, he's got to be feeling like this is, this is me. Like this is as good as I can play. And sometimes the the next week it can be hard. It's one thing to say, Oh, I'm really close. Like he was reeling off top 15s, you know, eighth, ninth, yeah. 15th, it, right. Finishes like that, which are, you're saying, okay, I, I can win. I'm close. I can win. And then you get into the field last week and it's a great field. It's a great course, all that. And you contend and you're right there. You're right in the mix. Sometimes that's the, best week that you got. And there's just an emotional exhale after. So I'm, I'm, I don't look at Russell Henley as a guy who's still climbing the ladder and the price, unfortunately, I think now is too high. I think now we've, we've shifted. The price has gone up and I think his performance is going to take a slight dip. Now I do think he's a guy to watch for at Augusta. Um, I I think he's a a player who's going to have a fine year this particular week. I'm expecting a slight emotional exhale out of him. And I think he's a little overpriced to take that play again. I I think it's a little trappy. I think it's a little trappy. It feels like you're chasing it. It feels like you're chasing it a thousand dollars, more expensive, more people aware of what he's done. It was nice last week when he was cheap and everybody was overlooking him. Right. You don't get the same advantages this week. Who's the other guy in this range? Joaquin Neiman. Yes. I'm looking at Joaquin and I think the course is going to fit him very well. What it asks for is his strength. It asks for control off the tee. It asks for, um, which he's, he has plenty of length too, but he's, he's a very solid ball striker. He's a very straight hitter of the ball. And I think that's going to be important this week. And then you look at the recent form and I think he's still climbing the ladder. So he was tied 23rd at the U S open tied 13th at the Shriners. And then he was sixth at shadow Creek last week with a 66 on Sunday. So that tournament, he, the last two tournaments, 66 on Sunday, which is great but he didn't play a great first round and I, where Henley last week played a great for, he played four great rounds and he's thinking to himself, okay, um, that, that was the peak for Henley. I think yeah. for Joaquin, he's still climbing the ladder and, and because the fit is so good as well, I'm, I'm going to take my chances on Joaquin because I don't think the price really, I mean, he's, he's 8,400. I think that's a great deal, a great bargain for Joaquin. I, I think this is going to be a, a really solid week for him. Yeah, it's 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 very fair, and he has flashed uh, a lot of brilliance at times, right? We've seen it some, kind of one round, two rounds. Uh, so he started slow last week. I think it was I think he shot an even par seventy two in round one. Yeah, and then after that, uh, so if you just do like aggregate score from Friday to Sunday, he was like fourth best in the field. Like I mean, it's it, he was he was yeah. there. He just kind of you know even par. But it didn't feel round. spec. It didn't feel spectacular. Which is where great. Henley, it felt like kind of, it felt right? spectacular. Yeah, right. right. You want it to be kind of a little easier than that. Not that the guy has, right. you know, emptied the tank over three rounds or something like that. Right. I couldn't agree more. 
$7,000 range. This is where we start to get into a, a larger set of golfers. Adam Scott uh, leads us off at 7,900, goes all the way down to a even 7,000 Lonto Griffin, which we have a rule for when he's above 7K. We have a rule for when he's below 7K. Uh, there's a glitch in the matrix because he's now an even 7K, and I have no idea what we do with him then. But uh, there's one name in here, Greg, that I keep staring at, and it kind of scares me a little bit. Sebastian Munoz. Okay, don't look this up. Look at me. Look at the, look at the, look at the camera. Don't look at yourself. Okay, okay. I'm looking at the camera. You have my full attention. <laughs> Do you have any idea where he finished last week? No. Okay. Full, full disclosure. Perfect. I'm so glad that was your answer. He finished ninth. Like, I, I would have bet a million dollars that guy was, was 50th or less, right? Like, we never heard about him. He never did anything spectacular. Kind of what you're, you were describing, which is like, just he just played solid for four rounds, and he finished in solo ninth. And that's like his, what, third top 10 in his last five starts. I mean, he was playing great at the end of last season. He's kind of picked it back up again. Like I, I hate that. I like Sebastian Munoz this much, but like, I kind of do, you know, there's an interesting thing about Sebastian Munoz. And it's when you look at his profile statistic, he's, he's like very, very good in a <laughs> lot of ways. And, and we get the impression that he's a, he's more of a popper. Right. That's kind of how I would how I would explain it. But you look at his recent finishes. He made the cut at the U.S. Open. Um, it was a, a rough weekend for him, but it tied 59th, tied 23rd at the Sanderson Farms, tied 27th at the Shriners. Right. These are easy finishes. Right. Uh, he now has, um, you know, a lot of at the Shriners all rounds in the 60s, tied 27th. CJ Cup, he comes in ninth, as you mentioned, uh, and he was only he was three under after the um, after Thursday, Friday, 67, 69 over the weekend, which is really, really solid play. And yeah. and you look at his statistical profile from last year, and he makes a lot of birdies, over four birdies per round, which I do think is important. And if I'm not mistaken, this is off the top of my head. Now I'm not looking at the camera; I'm looking down at the computer, <laughs> um, and I'm trying to get. Yeah. Okay. So pretty good, pretty good on par, on par fives as well. He was 43rd on par five scoring um, last year, which is pretty good. He birdies almost half of his par four par fives, which is, um, which, which is excellent. So I think he's a pretty good play. I mean, look, the, the trend is that he's starting to play better and he's shown some consistency and his statistical model shows consistency. Like Mackenzie Hughes is playing really consistent golf you're hoping that he's got something going with his swing with Munoz. You know, he's got something going with his swing. If he's playing consistent golf, it, it fits a little bit better. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, I mean, and you, you mentioned the birdie average, right? He makes a lot of birdies. So last season, the season that just ended, he was 29th. The year before that he was 30th. The year before that he didn't have enough rounds to qualify, but he was 10th. So you're talking about like three straight years where he's inside the top 30 in birdie average on the PGA tour. Like that goes a long way on tour and it goes even further in fantasy scoring, Greg. Like it's really, I can't believe we're like steaming Sebastian Munoz this much, but like, uh, yeah, I kind of love it. Well, you have birdies and you have recent form, right? Course history is very shaky this week um, for many reasons. So in, if you look at the, the buckets, right, he checks all the boxes and, and then you add to that, there's the, there's the price factor. He's at 7,200. He could be the Russell Henley of this week. So I really like that. Um, I gotta, I gotta ask you a question about a guy here. Sure. 
you know, he's one of my favorites and somehow he's come up on the pod <laughs> quite a, quite a bit recently. It's our friend, Brian Harmon. Yeah. What do you, what do you think of him? I mean, I'm looking at this guy as, and I always think of him as kind of a, a very safe kind of a, a, a boring play. Nothing yeah. against him. I love his swing. I love his game. But he's a bore. It's a boring play. You're going to get like a tied 35th, which is what you've got. You got T38, T37, T13 at the Shriners, tied 28th last week at the CJ Cup. Um, but the scores have been really, really steady. Everything under 72 for the past three tournaments. What do you? Is there any value there down in his price range, or is that just way too safe for you? I, so I, that word you just said safe, I I think that's, that's the, how you designate Brian Harmon, right? I think that he has, I think he's been in the midst of a, of a really good run right now. Um, You know, we've seen him finish like 12th, 11th in in some of the playoff events. I don't know how much upside there is in him, right? But if you're looking for a guy, if you're trying to round out a lineup and, and you've, maybe you've taken on a lot of risk in other places, maybe you've taken on a Joaquin Neiman, who's a more volatile player. Maybe you've taken on, who knows, you got to get Tiger Woods in a lineup and you're trying to just get someone who's a bit safer. I think that Brian Harmon fits that. So I, I, it's not a knock against him. It's just, there's just plenty of different styles of play. Um, The par fives this week. uh, So I don't know if this helps him or hurts him. I don't think there's any over 600 yards. So he might just be, I don't know if that means he's wedging into all of them or if he's going to be like one of the only guys who can't get there in two. I, I don't know how to feel about that, but uh, the game seems to translate all over the place and, and he's in the midst of a really good one right now. So let me give you an, uh, one, one thing here. I got another player I want to bring up because yeah. he's in the safe range um, and it's Brendan Todd, but mm-hmm. So I, I think Brendan Todd's a great play this week. I think accuracy is going to be at a premium and he is uh, amongst the most accurate players out there. So I love Brendan Todd at flat seven K. I'm trying to figure out why that price is so low. Uh, it, it seems it kind of makes you raise your eyebrows. No respect for Brendan Todd. There's no, yeah. So I, I think Brendan Todd's a great play, but it raises the, the philosophical question, which I ask you is in a no cut event, is there, can you take too much risk? Like, is there really a value for a safe player who doesn't have win equity or do you go with all guys down at the bottom? Like, I mean, are you going to go with every, like Cam Champ? We'll get to this, this um, 6K range later, but Cam Champ can win any week because of, because of his talents. There are certain players that have the upside of, holding the trophy at the end of the week. There are players like Brian Harmon and Brendan Todd who have the upside of playing really well, but the likelihood of them playing really poorly is lower. So do you think this is just, you should take more risk because it's no cut. So it's interesting. Um, I think there's something to this. So normally the value in making the cut is massive, obviously. Uh, I'm just kind of looking back at last week's results and, and the argument could be made that you should take on, more risk. So I'll give you an example. Uh, Jordan Spieth finished in a tie for 38th in the tournament, but he finished in DraftKings scoring like 16th. So 16th in DraftKings scoring, 38th in the tournament. So those triples hurt a lot worse in uh, on the yes, real scorecard than correct. they do in DraftKings. Correct. And and that that's interesting, right? So maybe you maybe you don't want the safe guys. Maybe you want some guy who might 
just blow up, but he might rattle off. He might get you a couple birdie streaks along the way. So last week in, um, in kind of my core, if you have your core six, I had, uh, I had, um, well, uh, let's say my core five in my core five, I had four top 12s, which is really good. And then I had uh, Corey Connors. And so I went with this philosophy with that lower, that 6K guy. I want a guy who's a solid ball striker because I, I think it's less likely that he does what he did. I think it's less likely that he finishes over par. I think he gives himself more birdie chances. That was my kind of philosophy with it. And now it, it still worked, but the, the philosophy I think was maybe not the right one in that I, he is a safer play because he's just a, a solid ball striker, but the upside of winning was kind of low and he, he shot three over. So he ended up with the low side of a more risky player, like, a, like a Jordan Spieth or someone like that. And, and it didn't really hurt that bad. So I'm kind of thinking, go with guys that are just birdie maker, birdie machines yeah. and take that chance. I, I think, I think that's, I think that's right. I think that's smart. Um, Let's jump down to the 6K range here. So this is where, so I, I was kind of surprised to see how small this is. I know there's only 78 players in the field. I think there's probably, I mean, there's probably 30 of them in the $6,000 range or 25 of them, but you have all of like the uh, Japanese tour exemptions. There's like some weird sponsors exemptions down here. So there's like the bottom of it's really ugly. The bottom's, the bottom's pretty bad. I, I'm not sure there's really anyone I love here. Like you can make the case for hashtag team, no putt Benny on. You could make the case for super solid Adam Hadwin or high upside Kevin Streelman or heck, if you want to make a case for Jordan Spieth, who I just told you finished 38th in the golf tournament, but 16th in draft King scoring. I think I'd have to at least listen to that argument. Yeah. You could make a case for that. I mean, I, I would, he's, he's not a, a play in the sense of uh, a top 10. I wouldn't bet on him in any essence of a, of a finish position. But the fact that he gets four rounds to make birdies, he's a guy who can make six birdies in a round, even right now. And, and that would not be um, overly surprising. There's just likely going to be a big number in there. He's going to hit one out of bounds. So I think Jordan is a really, he's in the sick Jordan Spieth's in the six K okay, range. I was just looking this up. I was trying to find the last time he was priced like this. Um, he was 6,600 at the hero world challenge in 2019. That doesn't really count. It's only an 18 man field. That's it. I don't have another instance of him being sub seven K in at least the last three years. So this is, I mean, this is bottom barrel Jordan Spieth right now. Yeah. And it was one of the better weekends, right? 69, 67. Yeah. Now he, he had made a triple bogey in each of the first two rounds. They're low pressure rounds. So I don't look at those two rounds of the weekend as, um, and thank you for sharing that, Jacob, but I don't look at those two rounds as, okay, he's really found something. I think this is Jordan, right? He gets in high pressure situations and he can hit one awry. He's still working that out. It's very clear. Uh, it's a shot to the right. It's very clear. Um, but I do think there's still that upside of the birdies. So I, I do like a play. And I, Rick, Rick, I think there's some value in this 6K range. Talk I mean, who is it? Like, I, I think Adam Hadwin, I think Kevin yeah. Streelman, I, I think these guys are really playable options. So I, I think Joel Damon is a, a real player here. Um, there's, you know, he's looking at um, a really good performance last week until Sunday. 
So I, I think he's very much at play at 6,500. I, I don't know if I'd go below 6,500. Um, maybe a Brendan Steele who's 6,500 gives you a little bit of value. He's a really long and straight driver of the golf ball that could add a lot of, um, it, it could be somewhat valuable. But below that, I don't think there's really much. And I don't think you really need much more below that because the the upper echelon, the 11K range is really thin, and it's Xander at 11.2. If you pivot off of that, you got DJ who's out, so you're going below that. So you're kind of in the mid tens, yeah, um, for the most part. And so, I, and I, I don't think it's like last week where you're trying to get two guys that are above that 9,500, that 9,800 range. You you don't need the two guys up there. So I'm looking at this. I'm saying, okay, 65 and up, you're going to need one guy. And I think I think you're looking for a player like um, like a Joel Damon, like an Adam Hadwin, right. and the other guy I'll throw out there is uh, would be Jordan Spieth. So I do think it is a hair easier uh, the last two weeks, this week and last week, because it just if you're down in the six K range, play a tour pro. Like like you know what I mean? Like half of them are tour pros. Oh, I guess right. Pros, but half of them are guys that kind of got the the exemptions to come over and, and play this. And and there's clearly a bigger difference, uh, a much a significant difference between Adam Hadwin and Brad Kennedy, or even a Dylan Fratelli and uh I don't know, Michael Thompson. Actually, Michael Thompson's not all that bad, but you know what I mean? Like it's just a bigger, uh, a bigger uh range in the skill set than than you might see just a bunch of regular PGA tour pros sub six K. Yeah, I think that I think that's a really fair point, Rick. All right. I think that'll do it, Craig. Another DFS preview in the books. Obviously, we'll be back all week. Megapod coming on Tuesday. Round by round recaps. All the good stuff. You can follow Greg on Twitter at the real GFD. You can follow me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.